Today I believe that God wants us to bring a special offering. So relax, don't worry, it's not going to affect your wallet. It's much more expensive than your wallet. I believe that God wants us to bring to Him ah, our tongues. I believe that God has been challenging me. I've been reading the book of James. James is a super practical book, and this year I'm doing a slightly different reading strategy. I've just been reading it over and over and over, the whole book, then just different chapters, and, and trying to get a handle and a heart of what this guy, James, brother of Jesus, wanted to impart to, uh, to the churches. So if you haven't yet found your reading the Bible strategy for the year, I'd encourage you, find the book of James and begin to dig in and study and find out what he wants to impart to us. But I've discovered that this man of actually few words has a lot to say about the tongue. And the challenge I believe that God wants to bring to us today is, are you willing, like Abraham who brought Isaac and laid him on the altar, are you willing to bring your tongue and say, Jesus, I want to surrender the way I speak, the words that come out of my mouth, I want them on the altar as an offering to you. It says in, uh, in James 1 verse 1, James, a servant of God, which is interesting because he was actually the blood brother of Jesus. So if I was writing and I wanted some authority to my name, I might be tempted to say, James, brother of Jesus. He doesn't. He says, James, servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. To the twelve tribes scattered among the nations, greetings. I quite like that, and uh, I think this is my wife's favorite book in the Bible. And uh, i tell you why, because sometimes when I travel, you know what it's like in uh, traveling in Venezuela, for example, through the jungles, preaching the gospel of Jesus. Now I'm writing back to my wife, dear wifey, missing you so much. Don't worry about me. I'm okay. Preaching the gospel, standing strong for Jesus. And how's things at home? What's God saying to you? How are the kids? What's happening back at the church? And then you wait for an answer. Have you ever looked at WhatsApp and, and it says typing, typing, and, and you're just waiting for that answer. It's like wanting to hear something from home. And then I get a message back from my wife. There it is. Thumbs up. Thank you for that. In some ways, James is like that. I mean, think about uh, Paul. Paul's writing to different churches. He writes to the church at Philippi. And he, he says, you know, to the saints. And then he, he just bursts into this greeting. You know, I thank God every time I pray for you. With all of my prayers, I give thanks for your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion in Jesus. What a beautiful greeting. How did James greet the church? To the 12 tribes, greetings. That's it. And in some way, it's almost like James has had a revelation of the importance of words, and it's almost like he's had to rein in his tongue Because it's like the fear of God has gripped him about the importance and power of our tongue. And he's not going to mince any words. He's not going to waste words. And I want us to learn something from him today and then next week I'm going to finish it as well. So, just a quick thing. Why why is it so important? Well, some of us need to realize the significance of what we say. Let me give you a couple of examples. You know, the church can withstand persecution. Church history shows us how powerfully the church can stand in the face of persecution. Do you know what's more dangerous than persecution? Gossip. What the world celebrates, all the magazines, have you heard, slime on this person, that person, something in the human heart, loves, have you heard? Gossip is when you're too afraid 
to say something to someone, so you say it to someone else about them. And we're going to deal with that next week. Gossip is like cancer to a body. And it's a sin, and it gets judged. What about murmuring? Murmuring is when you, you talk to other people, things that you should be saying, for example, to the church leadership, you disagree, so we just gather some supporters and murmur. That happened in the Old Testament amongst the Israelites. This Moses, who does this Moses think he is? They started murmuring, and you know what happened? The anger of God was poured out upon the people. What about grumbling? They were in the desert, now they're grumbling, no water, water, why the air cons don't work? No, no water. And there was this grumbling, you know what happened? Judgment broke out amongst the people. What about idle words, careless words? Ach, it's inconsequentially, drop a comment here, say something flippant there. Do you know the Bible says we'll be judged for every idle word that we speak? What about arrogant words? You know, you just always slip it in that somehow the glory needs to come to me. Somehow it needs to be about me. It resists the grace of God. Point is this. You are sons and daughters of the living God. You and I, created in God's image. Our God spoke, and he created the heavens and the earth. Speaking carries power. And the enemy knows it. That's why if he can get control of your tongue, he's got you. We want to see today that spiritual maturity is not about how many verses you can quote, but how reined in is your tongue, how under the blood of Jesus and the Lordship of Christ is the words that we speak. So let me read to you a couple of verses. I'll start in James 1, 26 and 27. He says, those who consider themselves religious, which I don't really like that word religious because religion often means what we do for God as opposed to our relationship with Christ. But he's using it in a positive context. And so we could almost translate this as those who consider themselves to have a relationship with Jesus and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongue, deceive themselves, and their relationship with Jesus is worthless. A relationship with Jesus that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Yo keeping a tight rein on our tongue. Now, believe it or not, when I was about 10 years old, I grew up in the south coast in Uvongo. That's where I was, uh, I did most of my growing up. And at about age 10, 11, somewhere around that, I was a horse person. I know that might surprise some of you because I'm definitely not a horse person anymore. And you'll know, horse people, you either are or you aren't. There's no middle ground. And for a couple of years I was, and so I would do these little jumping shows and gym corners and all of those things. But one of the good things, don't laugh at me, don't judge me as part of my upbringing. Flip, I know some things about your past as well. But one of the things is, I had this horse, his name was Copper Kid. And uh, on some Sundays, we would take the horses down to Margate Beach, which if you know Margate Beach, not the main bathing beach, but then it stretches for about two, three kilometers of open beach. And, and we would take the horses down there, bareback, and we could just ride into the waves and we would have huge fun. It was, it was great. The one problem is the horses would get quite excited and you had to keep a tight rein on the horse because if they get too excited, they can bolt. And that's what happened to a mate of mine. The horse bolted, threw him off, and eventually we found the horse walking up the freeway somewhere along the line. Point is this. It speaks about our tongues being tight-reined. We need a tight rein. I believe God wants to challenge some of us at the beginning of the year and ask, how reined in is your tongue? Have you given your tongue too loose a rein in terms of the words you allow out of your mouth, the kind of conversations you have? Because I believe Jesus is calling us to rein in our tongues 
so they can be used for his glory and not the enemy's purposes. You are only as spiritually mature as the rain that you have on your tongue. Maturity is not how spiritual you sound on Sunday, but how rained in your tongue is on Monday. One of my wife's favorite uh, quotes from John Maxwell. John Maxwell was a pastor and now he teaches leadership. And I mean, he's a profound and brilliant communicator. And he says, many people come to him and say, I'm so impressed by what you say. And he always says to them, I'm more impressed with what I don't say. I think my wife likes that because it's like, oh, I just want to say something right now. See, sometimes spiritual maturity is measured by teeth mark in your tongue. Hmm. Just rein it and clamp down so you don't give in to the flesh and all the things the flesh at times wants to say. But personally, I've been out, especially yesterday, I was out praying, walking, and just saying, Lord, would you show me how much of a rein of my tongue have I given you? Is my tongue really submitted to you or am I letting it run free? So let me read from James 3 then. It's a famous passage, and I want you to look out for these three. You'll see the pictures up here. Here are the the three pictures, the bit, the rudder, and the spark. I want you to see these three pictures of the tongue and how James uses them. So verse number one, not many of you should be teachers, become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. I've never really worked out if that's more strictly judged by God. doesn't seem fair because God is impartial. He has no favorites. So I'm leaning more and more towards the fact that people judge you more strictly. And rightfully so. In fact, the world judges Christians because we should practice what we preach. And God has called us to be a people who are authentic and a people of integrity so that what we speak matches the way we live. And I believe this is for all of us. It says in verse 2, we all stumble in many ways. Anyone who's never at fault in what they say is perfect. That's interesting. Now that word perfect is not kind of the perfect, there's never a hair out of place type of perfect. This perfect actually means complete and whole. It actually speaks about maturity. Someone who's never at fault in what they say is truly mature and complete. And then look what it says, able to keep their whole body in check. Now here's a beautiful thought. In other words, if you learn by the Holy Spirit to control what you say, then every other part of your life will be under the Lordship of Christ as well. It's interesting, isn't it? Because the tongue is the hardest part of our bodies to control. Verse number three, when we put bits in the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder which the, wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. Yo. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. There's a key verse. The old translation used to say, but no man can tame the tongue. I'm glad it includes women now as well. Verse number 8, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Sure. 
When with the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who've been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth comes praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. I want to ask you today, is James speaking to you? My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Are you a saltwater spring or are you a freshwater spring? Can't be both. What's coming out? We sing beautiful songs on Sunday, but the Holy Spirit's listening for the rest of the week as well. Is the spring of your heart fresh water or salt water? It should not be both. In fact, he carries on. He says in verse 11, Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. It can't. Which means it is one or the other. Which means if the predominance of your tongue is actually dishonoring to God, we have to ask, have you truly found the Holy Spirit? Have you truly been born again? Is there truly a spring of life inside of you? So, I think James understood from his brother Jesus just how powerful the tongue was. Maybe he was around when Jesus challenged the Pharisees once. And uh, it says in Matthew 12 verse 34, You brood of vipers! How can you who are evil say anything good? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Think about that for a moment. The mouth speaks what the heart is full of. I like that older NRV translation. It says, from the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. In other words, before something hits your tongue, it comes to your tongue from the overflow of your heart. Now, whoops, I shared this story once before about, um, I think it was probably on the golf course, which, as you know, if you play golf, really tests your character. And I had made another of those horrendous shots, and, and I heard words coming out of my mouth, like bad, inappropriate words for a Christian and especially a pastor, words like dawn, you know, those kind of words. And I remember at the time, sort of this righteous indignation rising up in my heart. It's like, where do those words come from? Is there still... In my heart, some deep, dark little recess that the light of Jesus hasn't penetrated. And then the Holy Spirit reminded me, no, it's the overflow of your heart that speaks. Yikes. It's not some deep, dark, no, no, that's what your heart is full of. Now let me ask you now. If we did an inventory, if we, if we looked at the words that have been coming out of your mouth, that represents the overflow of your heart. And as I've been praying, I was like, Holy Spirit, I... I find myself when I get impatient and short with people. Next thing I'm making sarcastic comments. Next thing I'm exaggerating negatively. Next thing I'm whining. Lord, that represents what's still overflowing in my heart. I don't want to say in any way to judge you or condemn you, but in the same way, Holy Spirit, show us today. Let our words give us an indication of what's really going on in our heart so that we can cry out to God, say, Dear God, set me free. Come and change my heart so that out of the heart flows goodness and encouragement, and words that praise and honor the Lord. So, those three illustrations, let me run through them quickly, and then I'll try and land as soon as I can. Number one, the bit. Now, uh, that horse of mine, someone gave me some wise advice. Brain, if your horse actually does run away with you, here's what you do. Forget trying to keep the horse in a straight line. Grab one side of the reins, put both hands there, and just pull that horse's head into a circle until it just can't run forward anymore. In other words, grab one rein and just rein it completely in. In some ways, that's what we need. Holy Spirit, we need to say, well, you, I want to give you permission. In fact, have you watched those old Western movies? Remember when the cowboy would break in a stallion? 
and they found that wild stallion or mare and they, and they climb on. There's no willingness like, welcome to my back. Here I am. I'm here to serve you. I mean, that horse is going to buck. And in some ways, that's our hearts right there. But I want to ask you today, would you be willing to say, Holy Spirit, come and tame my tongue. And there's going to be times when I manifest like a little baby. And No, 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 Holy Spirit, will you break me in? Because here's the thing. I don't want you to just catch the negative side of what I'm talking about today. Yes, our tongues can can run wild and can get us into trouble, but if we allow, like the bit in the mouth of a stallion, suddenly that stallion becomes a warrior horse that goes into battle, or a racing horse, or it becomes something that carries, that's useful to a master. In the same way, if we would allow our tongues to be truly tamed by the kingship of Jesus, he can start using our tongues for his glory and for his honor. The rudder of a ship. Remember, rudders control direction and direction determines destination. Now, we live in a harbor here. We know, one of my, I love, more than ships, I love airplanes and helicopters and that's why I've loved watching that pilot helicopter, you know, down at Alkenstrand. I love watching the, when it winches a pilot down or lifts one off. But the purpose there is, I mean, there's a captain. You have a captain of a mighty ship and he's got a crew and he's got millions and millions of dollars worth of cargo and all of that. But that captain, if he wants to come into the harbor and leave the harbor to set sail for foreign lands, he has to submit himself to almost like another captain landing on his ship and taking the steering wheel and saying, no, no, this is the way that we're going to go. And exactly the same way, without... The leadership of Christ. That rudder can end us in a mess or under the leadership of Christ, he can use our tongues to steer destinies and bring people into God's plan. I love that that testimony we were hearing from young Abby. When she was saying, God, what is my purpose? And then she shared right there. But then one day Chad just said, hey, you're so good. You're natural with kids. And just like that, hey, maybe God's called me to be a child psychologist to work with kids. Do you see how a destiny can be affected by someone's words. Wouldn't you like to speak words like that? Wouldn't you like in the factory, in your work, in your day-to-day, just say things you didn't even know, but because your heart is submitted to the Holy Spirit, not only can He reign in your tongue, but He can also use your tongue as a rudder to influence direction and destiny in people's lives. So many people just need a word of encouragement, just need a prophetic word without you even knowing you're being prophetic. You're speaking words of life and challenge and grace and growth. And the third one is a spark. I remember I have the privilege of going to Pledenburg Bay normally once a year to minister at a church there and, and driving between Nazna and Pledenburg Bay after those fires they had a couple of years ago and seeing the absolute devastation. Thousands of square kilometers of forest burnt to the ground. Hundreds of homes, million rands worth of burnt to the ground. And someone said it was started by an arsonist. You know, some angry person somewhere start a fire. Do you know how many times as a pastor I've sat speaking to people in families and there's been family division. This part of the family doesn't speak to this part of the family. This brother won't speak to that brother. This child won't speak to this. Why? Trace it all the way back to careless words like a little fire was started. A little spark, a stupid word that was said years ago became a forest fire and now it's caused division. Imagine saints, under the Holy Spirit, 
We could be lighting, instead of being an arsonist, lighting destructive fires, we could be lighting fires of revival in people's hearts. Just those conversations as you're chatting, as you're meeting people, speaking words that could light a fire, that the Holy Spirit gets a hold of their heart. I remember I'm saved today because someone used their tongue to, hey, why don't you come along? I want you to just meet some people. And, and suddenly I'm hearing about the gospel and without even knowing it, someone's sharing a little gospel story with me and like that little spark is lit. And now 53 years later, serving Jesus because of that. Tongues are powerful, powerful things. Can I trust the Lord to use my tongue as a match to light fires of revival and not forest fires of division? So, what does it mean? Well, the challenge in verse number 8, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. The taming of your tongue is directly proportional to your submission to the Lordship of Jesus. Friends, the gospel is all about the fact that there's a new king and his name is Jesus. And he's the king of kings and he's the Lord of lords. And we are saved, set free, born again, and walk into God's purposes and plans based on our bowing the knee to the kingship of Jesus. You know, we've just celebrated breaking of bread. We do it week after week to remind ourselves that's what Jesus has done. His body, he was killed because we needed to be punished. The wages of sin is death. His blood was shed because the Bible shows us without the blood of the innocent, it takes the blood of the innocent to wash away the guilt of those who sinned. And now as part of his body, he was raised from the dead so that we could be part of that. If you baptize into Christ, you baptize into his body, and so now you're part of his death, part of his, his shedding of blood, the washing and cleansing, and now you're part of his body, and now you have access to the very throne of the Father, And then the Father, because now we've been made holy by that blood, He gives us the gift of His Holy Spirit. Salvation is not try harder or hear the Christian rules. Salvation means now. Remember what Peter, as he preached, he said, repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And as we bow our knee to the Holy Spirit, He can tame a human tongue. And really the question that I want to ask you today is have you allowed the Holy Spirit, have you asked the Holy Spirit to come and tame your tongue? Out of the same mouth comes praises and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. What kind of water flows from your tongue? I want to close off by asking you three questions. Question number one, are you willing to have a bit put in your mouth by the Holy Spirit to tame your tongue and keep a tight rein on your language. And you'll know what that means for you. And I'm praying that the Holy Spirit, even now, would be convicting you like he's been convicting me. Question two, are you willing to invite the pilot of the Holy Spirit to come and captain your tongue to shape destinies for his glory? And question number three, are you willing to repent of being an arsonist who starts forest fires of division and gossip and negativity and become a revivalist who lights fires for the kingdom? Just imagine, church, if all of our tongues were truly dedicated to the Lordship of Jesus, how he can use us for his glory. So why don't you stand with me, please? And if you don't mind closing your eyes, I started off by saying, 
I believe God wants to, us to bring him an offering this morning. I'm asking you this morning, are you willing to fully dedicate your tongue to be under the Lordship of Jesus? I want to read to you from Isaiah chapter 6, verses 5 to 7. Isaiah had a revelation of God and he says, Woe to me, I cried, I'm ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the angels flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he'd taken with tongs from the altar. With it he touched my mouth and he said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. I'm trusting God right now that if you're willing for the Holy Spirit to come and touch your lips, if that's what you're wanting, won't you pray in your heart? You can pray quietly, but pray in your heart. Say, Holy Spirit, I am a man or a woman of unclean lips. I live among a people of unclean lips. Would you come and touch my lips with a call from heaven? And maybe right now there's some sin that you need to confess. Maybe it's been gossip, bad language, racist jokes, sexual connotations to what you say, angry words, grumbling, moaning, whatever it might be. Holy Spirit, will you put your finger in our hearts, put your finger on those things which are not from you. We don't want to agree with the enemy. His words rob, kill, destroy. The words of God bring life and healing and victory. Come, Holy Spirit. Come and touch our lips, we pray. Holy Spirit, would you be like that bit in our mouths to, to, to guard our speaking? Holy Spirit, would you rein us in drastically if we start going down a road? Holy Spirit, we're asking you to please rein us in. Help us to bite our tongue if we need to, to stop. Holy Spirit, we want to speak words that impact destinies. Would you help us, even in our conversations, speak words that would encourage and direct people that they would walk in to their purpose and plan? And Holy Spirit, we want to speak words that spark revival, not create destruction. Come Holy Spirit. Friends, maybe you're here this morning, and maybe you've never bowed your knee to the Lordship of Jesus. That's what it means to become a Christian. Saying, Jesus, I want you to be Lord of my life, my King. If that's you, the Bible says, all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. You can cry out to the Lord right where you are now. Say, Jesus, come and save me. I want to turn from my sin, turn to following you and giving my life to you. We would love to pray with you. If you're here this morning and, and are sick in any way, the Bible says, if you're sick, call the elders and they will pray for you and anoint you with oil and you will be healed. We've got elders here.